You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. when they Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 22. Today's reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. Brethren, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation which addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor lose courage when you are punished by him. For the Lord disciplines him whom he loves, and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father? In the first verse uh, today, from today's reading, Father, St. Paul references the great cloud of witnesses. And it's, it's always been my understanding that this is a reference to the saints. Is that correct, Father? Broadly speaking, yes, it's a reference to the saints. However, we cannot separate what St. Paul is saying here in Hebrews 12, which you just read today, from what he said just before that in Hebrews 11. And there St. Paul speaks very specifically of some of the key biblical characters from what we now call the Old Testament. So while in the church today we obviously have another 2,000 years of history and other examples of the lives of the New Testament saints, St. Paul here was very specifically referring to some of those biblical characters. Okay, that makes sense. So is there an important reason that you make that distinction between saints or biblical characters from the Old Testament and saints from after the time of the New Testament? The reason I make that distinction is simply to point out that to understand Hebrews 12, we need to have read Hebrews 11. And I say that because, again, very specifically, Paul is pointing to a common theme among the biblical characters he highlights in chapter 11, and that theme is their faith. And how does that relate to chapter 12 that I read a few minutes ago? St. Paul was referring back to the biblical narrative of the Old Testament to show certain characters, at least at certain times, and I say that because the Bible also at times highlights some of their flaws, that certain characters were an example of the faith that he preached was necessary to find salvation. In other words, they were examples of how Paul's teaching was nothing new per se, but simply a fulfillment of the scriptural message from the beginning. And that's why Paul begins with Abraham and Abraham's faith in God's promise and goes through Joseph and Moses and Joshua, and David, and Samuel in chapter 11, and all the way then up to Christ in chapter 12. 
So also in verse 1, St. Paul tells us that the race set before us is to be run with perseverance. Another translation I read says endurance. This seems to be a timely reminder for us as we are now in Great Lent, and it is encouraging for me to think about the saints and these biblical characters you just mentioned and their examples of endurance, to be able to clearly see others who have won the race, so to speak. Father, how should we understand this passage, particularly during Lent? Lent is a time for us to refocus our lives. Many people have pointed out that Lent is, give or take, about 10% of the year. It's like a tithe of the year. Instead of just being a tithe of money, it's a tithe of our time and our attention. And ultimately, as we've discussed a couple times on previous episodes, it's a time we sort of revert back to the beginning or go back to the way things are supposed to be. So during this season of Lent, one thing we should focus on is our faith. And this passage is an encouragement for us to do that. It's a reminder that our faith in God and his providence is the central tenet of our religion. Could you maybe unpack that just a little bit more for us, Father? Sure. We have to remember that true faith, a biblical faith, is not just an intellectual belief. That's the way either explicitly or more often implicitly people seem to understand faith, again, as like an intellectual belief. People tend to think, oh, I believe there is a God. I believe in Jesus Christ. I have faith. No, that's not what the biblical faith is all about. So what is biblical faith? This is, again, something we've discussed in the past, but I think it's worth repeating. I think it would be better if we translated the word most often translated as faith in English Bibles, if we rather translated it as trust, which is also an acceptable translation. But I think in English, we understand there's a slight distinction in the two words, in the words faith and trust. Of course, there are synonyms, but there's a slight distinction. Again, we tend to associate faith with intellectual belief, something that I might think in my head. But the word trust is more related to how we would behave. If I trust someone, then I behave based on their word. If I trust my wife, I'm going to behave like her word is deed. If she tells me, I'm going to pick up the kids after school. I don't call her to make sure that she does that. I don't call the school to make sure my kids were picked up. I go about my day, and I don't worry about how they're going to get home because I trust my wife. We often hear about the faith of a child. And like I said, I think this is better translated, the trust of a child. Because look at how your children trust you, assuming you're even a halfway decent parent and have earned some trust. And I'm warning anyone listening to this with a child who's maybe 10 or under, be you Jason and and your wife if you're listening to this later, you might want to have them plug their ears for a few seconds. Your kids trust you so much that they actually believe you when you tell them that there's this fat man who flies all around the world with his reindeer on Christmas Eve to deliver presents to every single household in the world. I mean, that shows you the trust of a child. (laughs) Yeah, I, I like that example, Father. So can you quickly tell us how that relates back to Hebrews 12? Yeah, so again, Hebrews 11 and 12 have to be read in tandem to fully get the message. But what Paul is ultimately doing there in these two passages is showing the reader examples from the Old Testament of true trust, of true faith. These characters behaved as though God's word was as good as gold. They acted, they behaved, they lived their lives based 
not on what was immediately seen before them, but based rather on the promises of God. And that's ultimately what we are called to do. And during the season of Lent, we're asked to refocus on that. Namely, we're to live without care for the honor of this world. We're told to put aside our temporal reputation, if necessary, to live as God requires. And if this world judges us unjustly, just like it did with the ultimate example, Jesus, then we should continue living as God wants us to live because we trust, we believe that God will reverse that temporal judgment in his eternal courtroom on the day of judgment, and he will raise us up just as he raised up Jesus. Very helpful. Thanks, Father, for that explanation. For my final question, toward the end of today's reading, St. Paul quotes from the book of Proverbs. It's Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. It says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor lose courage when you are punished by him. For the Lord disciplines him whom he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Father, I think many of us might read this and and maybe feel a a bit uneasy or maybe even unnerved uh, by these verses. Would you unpack this for us? Yeah, I think it's really actually pretty simple. And there are a couple of things I'd say. First of all, it really is meant to be and should be a comfort to us what you just read there. I can't tell you how many times people have come to me in distress because things aren't going well in their lives. They might be having physical illness, financial problems, family issues, you name it. It's a tough world. And they often think somehow it must be a punishment. They think maybe they did something to anger God. They're being punished by him directly. And what Paul is saying here is that viewing our struggles and challenges in that light is really missing the mark. St. Paul is actually saying, or at least implying, hey, if, if you don't have struggles and problems in your life, you're an illegitimate child. You're a bastard. Uh, I can't remember where I heard that, but once I heard it translated that way, and perhaps the directness and the lack of tact is more meaningful. So I try to remind people it's normal. Really, what we should be concerned about is if everything in our life goes well and we have no struggles, no trials, no one who is shaming us for putting our trust in God. And I'm saying this very seriously and not just based on this passage alone. Think about the famous parable of the rich man and Lazarus. In that parable, Jesus has Abraham saying to the rich man, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. So Paul here is inviting us to view our struggles and our need for perseverance in a different light, a much more positive light. We can not only tolerate those things and persevere through those things, we can even welcome them if we reframe them to understand that it's actually God disciplining us to make us stronger. And discipline in this sense doesn't mean the same thing as punishment. It's not God punishing us for specific sins. It's God providing us some discipline so we do well. And that leads into my final points on this just briefly. Uh, The biblical understanding of God as Father, and specifically as an ancient Near Eastern Father, one who was revered, feared, respected, but in large part because you knew he ultimately loved you and wanted what was best for you. And so if that means he's going to be unpopular with you and not be your best friend, then so be it. He's going to do what is best for you and your future. It's such an important metaphor throughout Scripture, this notion of God as Father. 
And this type of father provides discipline for his children, which again is different from punishment. So just to give an example, this type of discipline is something I constantly struggle with in my own life raising kids. You want your kids to have enough to succeed, but you don't want them to have too much because that also increases the odds of them not succeeding. Kids have to learn to overcome difficulties. They have to face and deal with and work through stressors. So we can't shield them and protect them from everything. To do that would be the opposite of loving them. And that's essentially what St. Paul is saying in today's passage. God disciplines you. He allows you to face struggles and stressors because he loves you, because he is your Father. Thank you, Father. We began today's episode by discussing who St. Paul was referencing as the great cloud of witnesses. Father Aaron explained that Paul's specific reference here was to highlight the theme of faith of several characters from the Old Testament. This theme of faith is one that we should all focus on, most especially during this time of Lent. In discussing what it is to have true faith, a biblical faith, we were reminded that our faith is not solely based on an intellectual belief. Rather, if we translate the Greek word as trust, we see that our trust in God relates not only to what we believe, but how we should behave. In Hebrews 11 and 12, St. Paul provides us with examples of this trust from the Old Testament. We see time and again that these characters not only believed in God, but trusted him so fully that they acted on the promises of God. We then turn to a verse from Proverbs that addresses the discipline that the Lord provides to his children. Here, Paul is teaching us that we should view our struggles and challenges not as punishment, but as discipline. Just as parents discipline their children out of love and wanting what is best for them, the Lord disciplines us because he loves us. St. Paul goes so far as to say that if we do not have struggles in our lives, then we are not a legitimate child of God. Father Aaron reminded us of the rich man and Lazarus, where Abraham tells the rich man that he has already received his good things, but now he is to be in torment. In contrast, Lazarus had received evil things on earth, but now he is comforted. If we reframe our struggles in this light, we will see that God is disciplining us so that we might be strengthened. We may even find that we welcome these struggles when they come, knowing that they are for our benefit. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, glory to the O God. Alleluia, 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 glory to the O God. O our God and our hope, glory.